Welcome to Exporter International, a podcast specifically focused on Slovak trade matters, featuring international experts, ambassadors, and industry leaders. Presented by Zulf Hayek Khan. Exporter International would like to extend a very warm welcome to His Excellency Ambassador Extraordinary and Plenipotentiary of Ukraine to Slovakia, Yuri Mushka. Mr. Ambassador, many thanks for joining us here today. Thank you for inviting me. Absolute pleasure to have you here in the offices. And as usual, with all my podcasts, I'd like to start at the very beginning. And since you've been in Slovakia since 2016, yeah. you've seen a lot of things, a lot of things have changed. But during your four years here, what has impacted you the most since you've been in Slovakia? You know, I was not surprised in Slovakia because of the neighboring countries. And it's very hard uh, to be surprised <laughs> in neighboring countries with a close culture, with a language is understandable for us. So uh, it was nice to be here for the, that period. And I believe that I will have an opportunity to continue my work. What was really surprising, uh, I mean, first of all, the people, they are nice friendly and really majority of population think that Ukraine is a friendly neighboring country. I cannot say that all of them, of course not, <laughs> but the majority. And the more you go to the east, the more supporters of Ukraine you can find. We will talk a little bit later about borders and, and the proximity. Obviously, we can't run away from the fact that Slovakia is bordered to Ukraine and the potential that brings from a business side of things, as well as sometimes some complicated issues. But moving away just for a little bit, this year marked a significant milestone as the Ukraine and the EU launched a strategic partnership on raw materials and batteries. And the MOU highlighted several areas of cooperation Which of these elements did you think was most significant and most important? We had, on the last uh, week, we had our EU-Ukraine summit. And it was very important for us because Ukraine now is considered as a candidate country because mm -hmm. now really in the European Union starts to speak about our European perspective. You know, before that, uh, they were a little bit let's say reluctant yeah and they didn't uh, take ukraine as serious as today so with every passing day we are closer and closer to the european union raw materials or any other materials i mean hydrogen uh, lithium of course ukraine has a reserve for that cooperation and uh, we want to be a partner of the European Union and in the nearest future we want to be a member of the European Union. When? That is the question. When we will be ready and when the European Union uh, will be ready to for having a new member. Uh, member which is called Ukraine and it has happened to be the largest European country by territory. So really uh, Ukraine is not an easy task. It's not an easy task to join the European Union for us, and we do reforms for that. But, you know, it's very important to understand that the reforms we need, not for the European Union membership, reforms we need for ourselves. 100%. Yeah. So that's important. When we say that we do something because of the European Union, because of Brussels, no way we do it for ourselves. Absolutely. It's really important that you mention that because if we talk about Slovakia 
Uh, yeah. Slovakia's largest trading partner, without any shadow of doubt, is the European Union. And once you enter that club, the possibilities for trade, uh, bilateral business become so much simpler. And and I think you're right. You mentioned reforms being necessary for yourselves, not just to be a part of the club, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we want to be a part of the club because Europe is a large market as well as Ukraine is a large market. And with our possibilities in agriculture, in uh, industry, of course, we can make great things. And of course, uh, Slovakia is supportive in our endeavors and being our neighbor, they uh, fully support our uh, future membership in the European Union and in NATO. Thank you. And that's great. The, the accession to the EU isn't always as simple as people imagine. Uh, but sticking a little bit with this EIT and raw materials and the European Raw Materials Alliance, they said they'll identify and conduct joint ventures for industrial investment actors. And since this agreement was signed, has there been much more interest for Slovak and Ukrainian uh, collaboration joint ventures in this with this in arena? Uh, yeah, of course. During the last visit of the uh, Prime Minister of Slovakia to Ukraine, uh, which was uh, in uh, the last days of uh, May, mm -hmm. it was uh, decided to start our cooperation in hydrogen, as I said, transmitting, and in uh, lithium. So we do make proposals. I cannot say right now about the very big results, but everything is in the process. And I believe uh, during the next meeting of our prime ministers, which will be in the nearest future, even earlier than you can imagine, <laughs> they will meet in Mushgorod, uh, in the border area, and they will discuss in details all that projects and how to proceed uh, further on. Great. And we mentioned before a little bit earlier about, and anyone who has the, the, the smallest inkling of geographical intelligence will understand the significance of Slovakia's border with Ukraine. And according to the United Nations Comtrade stats, uh, sl total Slovak imports from Ukraine for the year 2020 was around the 400 million US dollar mark. What area is that largely from? Where does this 400 million uh, euros of dollars, Slovak dollars, come into the country? In what areas specifically? Oh, in different areas. And um, it's different. I mean, raw materials, I mean, gas, uh, oil, products, uh, electric machines, cars, whatsoever. Um, uh, some uh, agriculture goods, not much. It's more important from Ukraine. I believe that the bulk of it, it's uh, manufacturing. manufacturing, IT technologies and other, other things. Sorry, I'm a little bit tongue-tied today. Maybe it's Monday. I'm, I'm swallowing my words. I'll try and, I'll try and improve as we go along. Uh, according to the same sources, it seems that Slovak exports to Ukraine actually reached nearly double that figure uh, last year, around the 800 million US dollar mark. And in terms of export to Ukraine, what areas have had particular interest uh, for our, our members, for example, looking to explore the Ukrainian market? We have 95 members, nearly 95 members as a part of the Council of Slovak Exporters. And if they're really looking to go into Ukraine, and, and forge joint ventures and, and explore the Ukrainian business market. What areas should they be interested in? Uh, they are interested in telecommunications, computers, information um, uh, services. And some of them are directly, I mean, investments, uh, which are not so high as uh, we want, of course, leaves much to be desired. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, oh, for example, for the 
first half of this year, uh, we had 37 million of uh, Slovak investments, I mean in euros. And uh, they invested in uh, industry, healthcare, uh, and uh, even operations with real estate. Interesting. Yeah. M- moving away from the traditional questions, I'm going to ask this off script. Uh, one thing I'm always fascinated by is ease of business. Is Ukraine, would you say, a country that's easy to do business in? Yeah, right now, yeah. We made uh, a lot of uh, things to to do it in, as we say, in one window in one day. You give the documents and you and you uh, can start a business in Ukraine without any delay problems. Uh, everything is done within the program of e-government. So e-government in Ukraine, I said, is is as good as in Slovakia or even better in some spheres. Interesting. Really. Because we started from the very beginning, from the now, and we have today the most advanced uh, services. Uh, even, as I said, some things even in Slovakia is impossible. You should go and do it through the bureaucratic channels. In Ukraine, you do through e-government. And that's that's really... It was surprising for me, but... When I asked my Slovak colleagues, can you get a passport, blah, 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 blah. Uh, no way, I, I should go to the office. Oh, but in Ukraine, you can do it by e-government. Even you shouldn't have your driving license yeah. uh, with you because you just say um, to the policeman your name and he can check that you have a uh, driving license and he can check the car as well in the same. So you shouldn't have the car paper and the driving license. It's not obligatory in Ukraine. You just say, you identify yourself. And if mm-hmm. if you are identified in th- three seconds, he tells you what you have and what you don't have. It's incredible. That's it. Yeah. Uh, try it in, in, in Slovakia. It's it's not <laughs> highly recommended to have a driving license with you. I, I tell you, I've had to go through that whole process of getting my residency visa here, which is also quite complicated. Uh, uh, and I guess there are reasons for that, that we, we can talk about that off air. But uh, it's interesting to hear that e-governance is something that... You are right. Interesting. And, and in terms of uh, business culture, transparency... Is this is something that I, I know you mentioned? I know lots of commentators have talked about reform and structural reform in terms of corruption and transparency. It's also a good time to go to the Ukraine. Yeah, of course, because uh, we are struggling with that corruption by de- de- making a declaration mm-hmm. every year. We have the most, uh, let's say, visible and transparent declaration because you can right now you can see what I have. Everything is declared and everybody can open and see. So it's not a close information, it's open information. No country in Europe has such a privilege and declaration system. So the Ukrainian is the most advanced one. And our anti-corruption prosecutor office or anti-corruption bureau can start a trial even if you buy a car and they see that you don't have the income. Immediately they say, where is your income for that car? For example, or real estate or anything else. Mm-hmm. So everything is, uh, everybody see what is your income and what is your expenditure. It's good to know Big Brother is watching you, but if you've got nothing to hide, it's a very good system. Yeah, yeah. And uh, from that point of view, it's today, it's not easy to be corrupted. It's not an easy life. Good. Because tomorrow, the mm, our police will come and invite you for an interview. Yeah, exactly. There'll be a knock on the door the next day. Coming back to Slovakia, the safe and inclusive border between Slovakia and Ukraine was a 
program that's due to be completed in 2023. And I think if I'm not mistaken, that's in partnership with the Ministry of Interior. The aim of the partnership is to help promote the ongoing good relations between the, the two countries. But during the pandemic, the Council of Slovak Exporters noticed there were still some issues with the transfer of goods across the borders, which has since been resolved. This shows good demand from the private sector. What are the biggest challenges Slovak companies would face going to the Ukraine in terms of border restrictions and, 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 and such type issues? You know, today, as of today, we don't have any restriction. I mean, COVID passport and you can easily go to Ukraine and, force, uh, and come back. But the problem is that we don't know what will be tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I mean, the next wave, uh, now the situation is not very good in Ukraine. I mean, as well as in Slovakia and neighboring countries, we are facing the third wave of, of COVID and uh, some of the uh, regions in Ukraine are in the red zone, okay. which is not good, uh, unfortunately. Now the situation is uh, stable, but uh, the uh, number of infected are still high. High, but stable, because it's not increasing. It's, it's a, uh, now it's around uh, roughly 12,000 or 11,000 uh, cases per, per day. And the vaccination rate wasn't so fast to start with, was it? Uh, unfortunately, um, uh, anti-propaganda works better than the propaganda. Okay. And uh, people simply don't want to be vaccinated. Uh, we see that problem uh, even in Slovakia, in other countries, uh, people are even protesting that uh, they are not going to be vaccinated and they didn't want to be forced for that vaccination. Uh, so the vaccination rate is, is much more lower than in Slovakia and Ukraine. We have all the possibilities. We have enough vaccines. You can go and easily do that, but... Well, maybe... Maybe too much democracy is not a good thing, someone once said. Yeah, of course, <laughs> and it, uh, when it concerns uh, such uh, things as, as infection, as COVID, or any other disease which uh, threatens the whole country, of course, we shouldn't be. Democracy it's, uh, doesn't mean that you can do whatever you wish. Absolutely. You are observing the rules worked out by the majority. Mm -hmm. So that is democracy. Democracy is a, a ruling of the majority. And of course, it's a common interest. It's not only the majority, but all interests. Nobody wants to be infected. Absolutely. And we really don't understand why people are uh, so, uh, let's say... Reluctant. Not relaxing. They, they are sometimes, they are very even silly. That <laughs> they don't uh, understand uh, very simple things. You are not guaranteed that you will be not uh, infected while vaccinated. But even the process of, of, of uh, your, uh, let's say, being ill will be much more easier. And at least for sure you will survive. In case you are not vaccinated, you are not guaranteed that you will survive. And we see that uh, mortal rate is rather high. Mr. Ambassador, I, I often say, and, and I will bore people to tears when I tell them if they didn't have the internet, people would have got vaccinated and not complained. Maybe no. the internet is to, as much to blame for people uh, deciding that it's not a good idea to vaccinate. Yes, the global world is not the best invention of the humankind. Anyway, we could, we, we could talk about that for hours, <laughs> but let's try and stay a yeah. little, little bit yeah, focused yeah, on yeah, topic. Exactly. 
Uh, I understand now, uh, and you mentioned one of the large, largest land masses in Europe, which is interesting to me, that there are now incentives for foreigners to own land in the Ukraine. How, how does that look? You know, we adopted that uh, land um, uh, law, and now Ukrainians can buy and sell lands and land plots. Unfortunately, there uh, foreigners, as of today, they cannot buy land plots but in two years it will be possible for enterprises so if you open a company mm -hmm. start a business in ukraine the company could buy uh land plots uh, so but today only ukrainian citizens can own of course because we didn't uh, start speculation on that you know which is very easy second mm -hmm. We want to give all the possibilities uh, for uh, Ukrainian citizen, and they will be not in the equal uh, position if, for example, from uh, Europe, from West Europe, the capital uh, flow came and and buy all the land plots in Ukraine. So we uh, were not in equal position, and we uh, simply deprive our citizens to buy something because you know. Land is land. It's it's. Uh, I'd like to make a distinction there. Does that does that mean uh, built property or does that mean no, 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 agriculture? Agri but in terms of yeah, 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 in yeah. terms of residential for, units, for, yeah. For 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 me, it was not likely because we just adopt that law, and the, of course, it's now the prices is are discussed and everything. So I speak about agricultural lands, of course. Understood. Uh, as far as uh, in the industrial uh, lands, let's say, for, for construction, no problem at all. And no residential problem. units and Yeah, it, it doesn't matter, foreigner or your resident, you can buy and that's it. Uh, but it, it's not an agriculture uh, land. So, so I that, think that's, that's important. I think that's quite common in quite a lot of countries. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. The selling of agricultural exactly. land often yeah, often yeah, is yeah. reserved by the host nation. Moving along to something that I've talked about with several ambassadors up on, on this series of Export Air International is the idea of economic free zones. Uh, I'm wondering if this is uh, an area where Ukraine will invest in the future. Is this something you think that will have potential? And by free zones, is setting up your own tax regulatory authority, having the opportunity for businesses to open, uh, international businesses to come. If you look in Singapore, Hong Kong, Dubai, uh, the UK will have some in the future too. Is this an area that you think Ukraine might adopt in the future? No. <laughs> Simply, no. I don't believe that we are going to be a free economic zone. We uh, do have in uh, 20 or 15 years ago, no, even 20 years ago, we do have a free economic zone. But uh, of course... Um, it gives some opportunities, um, but on the other hand, it's uh, because of the legislation in that period, it was a black hole, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and uh, that was the reason we practically uh, closed all of them, uh, so we do not have a free economic zone. On the other hand, we, today, um, I mean, not today, but... In, In that period, yeah, we are going to adopt, and the president announced, uh, a law on industrial parks. That we have in European Union countries, uh, industrial parks, when you have an opportunity to start any mm -hmm. business, infrastructure is prepared by the state, and you can uh, start your business over there. And of course, have some privileges. Okay. Uh, but not privileges which you have in the term of free economic zone is different. Okay. 
understood. And tourism is an area that is uh, that needs a lot of investment in Slovakia. I'm sure, you know, even as an outside observer, you you will have noticed that. And as a yeah. tourist, I've been to Kiev, I've been to Odessa, uh, and 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 Ukraine is a beautiful country, and I love going to Ukraine. Is there much interest from Ukrainians who don't live and work here to come to Slovakia as a tourism destination? And similarly, the other way around, are those numbers going up? Uh, the numbers are, are doubled. Even uh, when I arrived to Slovakia, it was around 10,000 or 15,000 Ukrainians here. I mean, immigrants, working immigrants, uh, labor immigrants, uh, better to say. Uh, today, we have 40,000. So each year, it doubled. Mm -hmm. uh, we have 4,000 uh, students in Slovakia. So uh, if you ask me, is Slovakia attractive? I say, yeah, of course, it's very attractive for Ukrainians because of the culture, because of the language. No uh, problems. I mean, within two or three uh, months or half a year, you can easily uh, <laughs> start to chat in I can't. Uh, Slovak. You no? can. Okay. You know, <laughs> I, can, I can. I can. Of course. Uh, and it's uh, everybody understands each other, so no problem from that point of view. For example, Hungary is much more complicated from that point of view because of the language. Sure. Yeah. So, would you like to see tourism grow from Slovaks going to Ukraine as well? Uh, and how do you think that the, might happen? On the other hand, yeah, about the tourism. Tourism is a let's say weak point. Yeah. It's a weak point. Uh, unfortunately, we do not have uh, such well developed tourism to uh, Ukraine uh, as uh, Slovaks organized for Ukrainians here. Okay. Tatras, skiing, skating, everything uh, is is uh, prepared for the tourists and uh, a lot of uh, tourists are coming to Slovakia uh, for the winter that sports uh, and the mountains and uh, all that sort of things. Uh, in Ukraine, unfortunately, we cannot say the same figures that Slovaks are visiting Ukraine. So uh, here we should do a lot and um, to start, uh, let's say, not from the very beginning, not from the null, of course, but we should do a lot here. If I can compare something with 100%, so I believe that we exploit our possibilities for, for 10 or 15%, so 80%, is is for the future uh, on the other hand uh, during that covid restrictions even that tourism which exists mm -hmm. is now zeroed we, we 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 don't have tourists of course restrictions uh it was impossible to come to slovakia we see the problems in the touristic industries that no uh, movement no tourism mm -hmm. no income and of course it reflects on the uh, budget it uh, reflects on the income of of uh, people who are involved in that sphere on the other hand uh, slovakia becoming more and more as i said uh, interesting uh, for ukrainian people and vice versa a lot of uh, businessmen are visiting ukraine uh, we have much interest in industry, I mean in construction, first sure. of all, uh, buildings, uh, uh, offices, uh, whatever you uh, wish, and a lot of uh, business groups. Um, we had last year had a business meeting of uh, in the sphere of construction. Interesting. Uh, and uh, not only construction, but constructing materials, mm. modern constructing materials, which are produced in Ukraine, and they are uh, very much 
popular in in uh, Slovakia and a lot of constructions are imported for example windows the full construction of today they are produced in in uh, uh, Ukraine on uh, German technologies mm-hmm. and produced in Ukraine better price mm-hmm. I never say low price but better price yeah and uh, we make contacts and we know that there is uh, contracts already signed and we Uh, export some uh, such as, as uh, window constructions to, to, to Slovakia. I, I, I give you just one example. And there is a lot of uh, others as well. So it's interesting to note, and it's something that we are very uh, key to stress at the Council of Slovak Exporters, that import is export to someone else. So these relationships are absolutely critical and businesses pr- can prosper both sides of the coin. So businesses looking to go to the Ukraine uh, have opportunities. And similarly, Ukrainian businesses are working closely with Slovak industry, which is great to hear. Yeah, and uh, some of our Ukrainian companies are starting business here. For example, trucks. Mm-hmm. You know that we are, uh, have restrictions because we need permissions for the trucks. And the truck company Ukraine opens here. Slovak company, mm-hmm. the trucks are ready. Drivers are Ukrainian. Yep. And they do that business. And, uh, of course, they do not have delays. So the same company is registered in Ukraine and then in, in Slovakia, and they do that business. Uh, so majority of the goods are delivered by trucks. So it's safe to say that Slovakia and Ukraine are, are, are both linked by a border, but by mutual interests. Uh, I want to, wanted to touch on something that you mentioned a little bit earlier, that the number of Ukrainian residents carries yeah. on doubling since you've been yeah, here. Yeah. So there are some unofficial estimates that say that maybe there are up to 100,000 no. Ukrainians, but it's 40,000. 40,000 is an official statistic, and I do trust the Slovak police that you can hide two or three extra Ukrainians, but not 10,000. Absolutely. So no way. No way. It's it's more or less real, real And you uh, see that number going number. up? Yeah. 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 It's going up. And uh, I say fortunately or unfortunately, because our work in our consular section uh, doubled <laughs> and tripled. Yeah, because they come with their problems, with the passports, with all the sorts of things. So we had uh, at least 10 or 15 visitors. Now we have 40 visitors per day. And we Uh, see that uh, numbers that increased. So they're keeping you busy. Yeah, yeah, of course. Moving along, no, they give us job. They give, well, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, and that's they the give us job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving along to something a little bit more delicate, to put it that way. In July, the U.S. and Germany reached a deal to prevent Russia's Nord Stream pipeline as it being as leveraging political European interests. As it stands, Ukraine would stand to lose a staggering two billion U.S. Uh, potential dollars in gas transit fees, and that the pipeline threatens its security. This is a very complicated issue. Would you like to give our listeners a little bit more context to this issue? Yeah, it's... Uh Uh, that issue is really a political one, an economical one. Uh, together with Slovakia, we are on the same, uh, let's say, vessel, or I say better, submarine. <laughs> Uh, it can't sink. <laughs> It's under the water. <laughs> so we are on, on the same submarine and uh, really we still uh, continue struggling with that project, that Nord Stream 2 and all others. And um, of course, uh, it's not only the question of uh, money, I mean transit money, but the question of security. Mm-hmm. It's a question uh, of uh, 
security, I mean uh, energy security of the whole Europe. You see the speculation on the gas market, which is done by Russia, and we today have the price of 1,200 1, something, blah, 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 uh, euros mm-hmm. per 1,000 cubic meters. So it's, it's, it's too much. Uh, and even yesterday, or a day before yesterday, it was only 1,000. Wow. Uh, just Gazprom, uh, announced that they do not make a reservation for the next period of Ukrainian uh, pipelines. And that increases immediately for 20% the gas, gas price. So is it really a common uh, policy? It's economics or it's just uh, a policy uh, which is conducted by the, not only by Gazprom, but by the uh, leadership of Russia. And you know that Russia has uh, two uh, major uh, weapons. It's a nuclear one and Gazprom. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Yeah, because uh, in, uh, let's say, in normal countries or in normal uh, situation, gas is just a good which you can sell and you can buy. In case of Russia, it's a uh, weapon. So in normal environments, it's a commodity, yeah. but in, in modern day terms, it's being weaponized. Yeah, yeah, in weaponized, and they exploit their uh, sphere of influence. The, yeah, and and their 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 situation that they are, let's say, in monopole position mm-hmm. practically, and uh, delivering gas to to Europe, uh, but uh, not uh, through the territory of Ukraine. So we're asking why? What was the problem? Even during the war, we had seven years war with Russia. Mm-hmm. No problem with gas transit. No problem. So, what uh, what is the reason of that? So, just one to finish Ukraine, either economically or even by means of of uh, military. But uh, we are not in um, the situation of uh, 2014. Now, the Ukraine army can get a response. Absolutely, and um, these are very serious uh, serious implications. Yeah. Going back to the financial side of things a little bit, the, it has been offset slightly by the green e- energy credit, and that was $50 million worth of green technology credits and a guarantee repayment of lost fees up until 2024. But I think you, you and I both know that Germany won't guarantee the full amount of that. I mean, it's 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 a it's a pretty pretty depressing scenario, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's uh, uh, European uh, as it was said in uh, all good times. You know, one hundred years ago, they say "grosse europeische politik." So that is a, gro- uh, a large European policy. Uh, for example, the Green Deal. Um, you know, we know Austria, other countries are struggling against the nuclear power stations mm-hmm. now. France wants to make nuclear power stations a part of Green Deal. Why? Because in France, more than half of the energy are produced by nuclear power stations, which are safe, really, if we observe everything. Absolutely. And it's really efficient, and it's, it's uh, nature, if, let's say, it's not harmful for the nature in case if everything is okay. But we have Chernobyl as a bad example of... When things go wrong. Of, of when the uh, things are not under control. And we have the Fukushima uh, case, which as well was not tackled uh, in the right uh, manner. 
so in that cases we have uh, lost and uh, even tragedies and um, even a disaster of European or even uh, universal scale. So I ask, answer your question. So it means who is interested in that or that deal? Mm -hmm. I believe that uh, Russia, namely Putin, made uh, a proposal which they cannot say no, as well as it was in case of Hungary, when mm -hmm. uh, you know that they are importing gas uh, through Turkish uh, pipeline and uh, getting from the uh, uh, gas from uh, the south through the Balkans to Hungary. So I'm asking why uh, it should cross uh, half of Europe, of South Europe, to get to Hungary? Oh, because he get a price which he cannot refuse. Yeah. Yeah, so that is... Uh, so uh, the interest of one country is uh, higher than the interest of others. So uh, that's what we say that uh, Europe is... Um, is a project of common policy, common interest, and respect. Uh, if, Absolutely. Uh, if a country, I didn't say... Any of them. A, a, any country uh, will start to follow their own, just own interest, it will uh, ruin the whole European Union, the whole European idea. Absolutely fascinating, uh, Mr. Ambassador. And moving on to areas that are slightly more lighthearted, where we could have discussed this into the early morning hours and maybe over some some vodka. Uh, another time we can we can bring that up. Uh, I'd like to speak to you more about this in detail outside of the podcast. The new Silk Road seems to be an opportunity. We had the Kazakh ambassador, His Excellency uh, yeah. Roman Vasilenko here, and now you joining us today on today's podcast. I think this is an opportunity for this side of Europe and, of course, with Ukraine and Kazakhstan as its partners to really benefit from the new Silk Road project. Do you see this as a, as a broad future? We uh, not only see, I was in the East uh, Slovakia with uh, my uh, Chinese colleague, the ambassador of China, uh, organized by the Minister of Transport, and now we are starting physically to work on that uh, project. Uh, that so, was in Dobra, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We visited all that area. I was uh, over there with my uh, Chinese colleague, and we see discussing uh, the possibilities, discussing the future, what should we do. Uh, how can we cooperate? And uh, we are going to, to close uh, uh, with close cooperation with um, uh, Slovak colleagues uh, in order to ensure uh, the uh, transit of the goods to, from uh, China to West Europe. Because we should understand that West Europe, the European countries and China is, mm -hmm. uh, uh, let's say, good forming areas. We, despite our scale that we are, we are not forming that goods. We are just a transit countries, and sure. we should understand. Of course, we make goods and we are export and importing, but still, the majority of goods are in, produced in West Europe and in China. Mm -hmm. And we cannot stop that exchange. So, what should we do? We should uh, support that and um, make all possibilities to uh, for transmitting that. Uh, goods uh, fast, safe, and just in time. 
So it, it means that in case of uh, using the uh, sea routes, uh, vessels, it means 30 or 40 days. In case of uh, railway, it 10 or 12 days, not more. So we can really uh, bring goods just in time. And that's very important. And I think, uh, and, I, and I've spoken at length on my other podcast, that uh, the interconnectivity of Central Europe should be better exploited. And I think you've highlighted that all the steps are in place to make sure yeah. this just-in-time philosophy gets rolled out effectively. And we have all the opportunities for that, because in Ukraine, I mean, that border area and in Slovak border area, we have the narrow and the wide uh, railway mm -hmm. because the problem is that we have different railways the standard <laughs> is not the same so that is a, a narrow point and we make that narrow point wider good that is our our task and we will do that for sure and i think we'll be monitoring that closely and i think i've got maybe one last question and on topics closer to home the council of slovak exporters we were delighted to sign an mou with the investors of ukraine under the auspices of the ministry of foreign affairs here yeah. how significant do you feel that relationships like this will help future business relationships between the two countries and where would you like to see these cooperations develop in three or four or five years time yeah, it's very important to have partners in Slovakia and in Ukraine. If you want to uh, find uh, the partners quickly, and or even uh, partners in the whole area, for example, healthcare, or for example, uh, industry or, or construction, of course, uh, such uh, an agreement and such an organization as a association they, uh, could help you a lot. You shouldn't uh, do a great circle while mm -hmm. you can come and get all the information required. Uh, because you uh, are offered not only partners, uh, for example, our Ukrainian colleagues, but they give us information about the legislation, about the possibilities, and mm -hmm. uh, all that sort of uh, things, and as well as they uh, can offer partners. And um, uh, by offering the partners, they at least guarantee that it's a re reliable partner. Sure. Because uh, a lot of, let's say, joint ventures just collapse because on the other side, the partner was not reliable. Well, we are always here to help our Ukrainian partners if yeah, ever they exactly. need questions. They're exactly. more than welcome to come here. Well, look, it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation with you. I wouldn't say this was an interview. It was more like a conversation yeah. and, and good podcasts. Hopefully this is one of them tend to be like that. If there's anything you'd like to add, Mr. Ambassador? The only uh, things, uh, please come to Ukraine, invest, and you will get for sure your money back and it's really interesting sometimes challenging and place for investment but on the other hand ukraine gives you a lot of opportunities if you are not coming in time your place will be occupied by others so the, the message there is clear from from the ambassador that for our members to come and invest otherwise the opportunities will go and on that note uh should you like to add anything else which we know you haven't i would like to extend our deepest gratitude to his excellency ambassador extraordinary and plenipotentiary of ukraine to slovakia yuri mushka for joining us here today on export air international mr ambassador it's been a pleasure thank you very much thank you very much for inviting me Export Air International is brought to you exclusively by the Council of Slovak Exporters.